some of my favorite stories we find in Luke chapter 5. It just, it, it's one good one after another good one after another good one. And so last week we talked about Jesus healing the leper. And just that, that strong phrase, I, I am willing. Jesus knew how unclean this person was, and yet he didn't just speak, be clean. He reaches out and he touches his life. He touches him, and we talked about the fact that God wants to touch our lives. This week, another great one in my book, at least, is uh, Jesus healing uh, a paralyzed man. And so let's start in verse 17, and we're going to read down through 26. It says, One day, uh, as he was teaching, Pharisees and teachers of the law, who had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem, were sitting there. And the power of the Lord was present for him to heal the sick. Um, so I'm just going to pause there so I can explain. There's a crowd here, and the crowd is Pharisees. Maybe you didn't pick up on that when you read it uh, initially or last time you read it, but, but the crowd is Pharisees. The Pharisees have come from all over. They've heard about Jesus. They've heard about the fact that he's teaching about the kingdom of God. Um, they've heard about the fact that he is healing people, probably even on the Sabbath, and they have come. And so the large crowd is actually uh, primarily Pharisees. Verse 18, it says, Some men came carrying a paralytic on a mat, and they tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd of Pharisees, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, He said, friend, your sins are forgiven. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and he asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say, your sins are forgiven or to say, get up and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Immediately, he stood up in front of them. He took what he had been lying on, and he went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe, and they said, we have seen remarkable things today. This morning, I want to talk to you about true faith, true friendship, and true forgiveness. And, uh, and we're just going to walk through the text. I'm going to share four things with you, uh, things you probably saw as we've read through them, um, but, but things that are really important. Here, I, I want to start here. I think it's important in our world today to, to just nail this down. I want you to understand that true faith can be seen in our actions. True faith can be seen in our actions. Verse 20 says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said, Friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, there's a whole lot going on in that one verse, right? And, and so I, I'm just going to break it down very briefly and, and start first with, with who had the faith. 
said, he says, true, you know, when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friends, your sins are forgiven. So the text would indicate that you read that and you think, well, he's talking about the faith of the friends. Well, that can't be because it's like your grandma having faith, but you not having faith. Your sins can't be forgiven because of grandma's faith. That's not how that worked. So the text would indicate that the paralyzed man had faith along with all of his friends. They all had faith. The whole group had faith. Jesus saw the faith of the entire group. And then he says to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven uh, because of your faith. He saw his faith and he says, your sins are forgiven. Now, we don't know exactly how all this went. Okay, We don't know if the paralyzed man heard about Jesus first. And, and, and he was the one that, that immediately and, and, and first had faith in Christ. And, and so he, he believed that, that, that this man that was out there speaking about the kingdom of God and healing people, he, he, he heard about Jesus and said, yes, yes. And then he convinced his friends, hey, friends, listen, you've got to take me to this guy. Have you heard what he's doing? I mean, listen, there, there, was, a, there was a lame guy. that, that he, There's a guy whose hand was, was crippled, and now he can use it. There was a leper, okay? And, and, and maybe that's how it went down. Maybe that's how it transpired. We don't know. Maybe it was the opposite way. Right? Maybe, it was the, maybe it was the friends first that heard about Jesus. And, and they heard about Jesus and they thought, oh my gosh, look at this man. Look, no one teaches about the kingdom of God like this man. Look at what he's doing. You know who could really use this man? Joe could use this man. We need to go get Joe right now and we're going to bring Joe before him. But, but first, Joe's like, you're not, you're not taking me anywhere to some weird... So they have to tell Joe, no, Joe, listen. Listen, this man, he's teaching about the kingdom of God and he's, he's a teacher unlike anything we've ever heard of. And maybe they even share some. And then Joe says, oh, well, I, I do believe in this man. Yes, yes, please take me to this. So they carry him off into Jesus. We don't know which way it happened, but we do know that all of these men had faith in Christ. They had faith that their, their friend would be healed. That's, that's the story. Their friends heard about Jesus, or the man heard about Jesus, and they come before him believing that they can be healed. And I want you to See this, this is important. Their faith is visible. I'm going to say that again. Their faith is visible. Look at verse 20. It says, when Jesus saw their faith. When Jesus saw their faith. See, there's this misconception in Christianity today that somehow faith is, is invisible. Or that it's meant to be invisible. Right? That somehow it's meant to be private. It's something that we keep to ourselves, that we don't talk about in, in public. <laughs> that, 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 that our faith is, is just something on the inside. It's just something that we, we keep to ourselves. Well, no, listen, I, I, you know, I don't have to be all showy. I mean, I just, I believe. I'm a believer. I'm, I'm, a, I'm good. My life doesn't look like it, but I'm fine. I don't know where we get, I don't, I don't know, we, we, we misunderstand Hebrews 11, which says faith is believing in what we cannot see. So faith is, is indeed believing in something that you cannot see, but the Bible never teaches that your faith, which is believing in something you cannot see, is in, in fact itself supposed to be invisible. Never says it. And so I, I have a huge problem with, with people that believe that somehow it's okay that their faith is invisible. And my main problem with that is the Bible itself, Right? Because, because after all, Jesus knows a little bit about the whole Christianity thing. I'm pretty sure he started it. And, and the leader of the whole Christianity thing, the one whom the whole movement is named after, saw people's faith. 
Like he could actually visibly with his physical human eyeballs see that people had faith because of what they did. And, and not only could he see it, he also taught it. Listen to these words, Sermon on Mount. You, you read them this week if you're, if you're on the replay, Matthew chapter 5, right? In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. And, and, and if you read on to, through chapter 6, he's not talking about a showy kind of thing. This isn't a production. We're not to go and stand on the street corners and fake it. He's saying, let your natural goodness, your, your belief in me, your belief in God, which should drive everything in your life, just, just do that. Just be that person. Love people and, and, and have compassion and be merciful and, and be full of joy in the face of trials and hardships and, and have faith that it one day will all be set right. Like in the midst of struggle and suffering, stand firm and let nothing move you. Just be that kind of person that acts justly and walks humbly before God. Just be that kind of person. Let your light shine before men. And you know what happens when you be that kind of when you're that kind of person, Jesus says, you know what will happen? The people around you are going to take notice. And they're going to praise God because of you. They're going to say, God, there must be a God. Look at these people. Look at how I spit upon them and I insult them, and yet they still open their home to me. How when I'm injured and I'm hurt, they run to my aid, even though I'm their enemy. Like, like It's going to get people's attention when we act this way. James talks about this kind of life. I, I want to ask you, to, we're going to turn to two places today. The first one is this. Turn with me to James chapter 2. It's right after the book of Hebrews, uh, kind of towards the back. James chapter 2. It just, just talks about this, this kind of faith and, and what real faith looks like. And I love um, James' words here. And I'm, I'm going to start in verse 14 of James chapter 2. James writes... What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith, but he has no deeds? Can, can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but he does nothing about his physical needs, what good is that? So you see somebody that's starving, you say, well, listen, brother, I'm going to pray for you as you eat your Big Mac. What kind of faith do you have? You see somebody that's freezing and you're sitting there and you've got 15 jackets in your closet. What kind of faith is that? This is what James is saying. This is in the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. Faith by itself is not accompanied by action, is dead. But some will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith. By what I do. If we really believe in God, if we're really men and women that have faith, friends, it's going to be visible. It's going to be visible. Verse 20, and Jesus saw their faith. Jesus could see people's faith. He taught us that other people would be able to see our faith. We've got to reclaim this truth. Our faith should be visible by what we do, not just by what we say. 
I used to challenge my kids uh, way back in the day. Remember, I did youth ministry a long time ago. So it was like 15 years ago, back when MTV and Real World first started. And it was, you know, it was the first real, oh, this is real stuff. Now it's all, yeah, we know the whole thing was fake. But I'm just saying, right? It's real world. Cameras are following you around all over life. And, and, and uh, what I would say to them is, is this, listen, if that was the case for your life and video cameras followed you around everywhere that you went, do you know what? They, first of all, they should be able to, to see by the things that you say and the way that you interact with people that you're a believer. They should be able to see that in your life. So, but you know what else? If they turn down the volume on the TV set, you should be speaking the same message. They should be able to tell, not just by what you say, but by what you do that you're a believer in Jesus Christ. True faith is shown by our actions. Shown by our actions. We are different people. We are wired differently. We are not consumed with self. We're consumed with God and with others. We're not looking out for number one. We're looking out for the one and for what he says are important. All right? So we start there. This is a story about true faith. But it's not just a story about true faith. Back in Luke 5, it's also a story about true friendship. So I want to talk to you about true friendship for a second. The first thing I want you to see when we talk about true friendship is that true friends pray for one another. True friends pray for one another. And it, I know you, we read the passage together, and I know what you're thinking. You're like, Pastor Jason, it didn't say prayer in there at all. You're absolutely right. You are a keen observer of the text. It didn't. But it did show it. It did show it. It painted a picture of what true prayer for friends is all about. And you say, why is that the case? Well, let's remember, okay? At this point in history, Jesus is physically present on earth. This is in the midst of the last three years of his life, three years of public ministry. So so within the next, you know, three-year period, Jesus is going to die. He's going to be crucified. He's going to be buried. He's going to raise from the dead. And he is going to ascend into heaven, which is where he is now physically. But at this time, Jesus is physically on earth and he is physically teaching people about the kingdom of God and, and physically healing people. And so, so whether it was the paralyzed man that told his friends or the friends that told the paralyzed man, they all have faith. They hear that Jesus is uh, accessible, that Jesus is available. And so what do they do with their friend? They lift him up and they carry him to Jesus. That's called intercession. They lift him up and they carry him to Jesus physically. Now, let's talk about our situation. Jesus is is no longer physically with us. He is physically in heaven preparing a place for us. He's physically with the Father. Now, spiritually, he is with us in our midst. God is spirit, right? And and, and Jesus is the God-man. So by his spirit, when two or more are gathered, he is also with us. So his presence is with us right? His power is with us. He'll never leave us or forsake us. But, but we can't just lift up our friend and physically walk them to Jesus who's down at the 7-Eleven. We can't do that. But we can lift up our friend and spiritually carry them to where Jesus is. And we get to do that because of who Jesus is. Because he's the high priest. And we, we, we now are all priests because of what he has done for us. So we now have access to the Father because of Jesus. 
And so what we're talking about, intercessory prayer, is, is basically what these men did for their friend here. It's just we lift up our, our, our brother and we carry them to Jesus in prayer. That's what we do. And that's what real friends do. I'm going to challenge you at, at the end of our message this morning. I think a lot of us consider ourselves real friends and we talk the good Christian friendship game, but we stink at friendship. We're just, we're just, we're just friends on the surface level, even when it comes to prayer, which is ridiculous, if, I, if, if I'm being honest, that I have access to the healer and that all too often I tell people I'll pray for them and I don't. Shame on me. Okay? So, so, so true friends pray for one another. Number three. True friends do whatever it takes to help one another. True friends don't, they're not just friends in, in word, they're also friends in deed. I love verse 18 and 19. So, so the friends, they, they lift up their friend and they carry him to Jesus and they get there and there's a crowd of Pharisees. They're kind of blocking the way. They can't get in. So what do they do? They stop. Well, I've done my job. I lifted him up. And I carried him to Jesus. Not my fault. They can't do anything now. I'm finished. No. Listen, if that's who you are, you're a quitter. I love you. Stop being a quitter. Suck it up, right? Problems are here in life so that you can use the 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 mind that God gave you and the abilities that God gave you to, to, to push through, to break through. I, I, I believe wholeheartedly there are times that, that God closes doors. I think a lot of times, though, we think a door is closed just because life is difficult. God never says life's going to be easy for Christians. So I keep knocking and knocking and knocking until God says, the door's closed, dummy, stop it. Okay, yes, Lord, got gotcha. you, bam, right? I think Paul was that kind of guy. Lord, remove this thorn. Lord, remove this thorn. Lord, please remove this thorn. And God's like, I ain't removing the thorn. Okay, got it. We're good now. I'm off to something else. So I love what these guys do. They get there. They've, they've lifted up their friend and they've carried him to Jesus. And now there's a crowd. So what do they do? You can, you can just think, man, what do you, God, I don't know, Joe, here, we carried Joe here. Jesus is available. What are we going to do? All these Pharisees are around. We can't even get through. Hear these guys, and they probably can hear the crowd kind of snickering. They're snickering at Jesus. Like, man, we got to get around these guys. What do you want to do? I don't know, man. Wait, oh, hey, look. Let's, let's, let's carry him up here. Now, first of all, I don't know if you've ever carried somebody. It's not the easiest task on earth. But then to carry somebody upstairs, and we don't even know that there's stairs, but we're assuming maybe there's some stairway. Maybe they had to climb on top of a building. They're pushing him up. When, and this, is a, this isn't a guy that's helping, Right? I don't know if you've ever done like a dead man lift, but it's not awesome, right? Those of you that have kids, you know. I mean, you pick up the kid when they're, when they're helping, and then they do that throwing the fit thing where they just go limp. And I'm like, oh my gosh! Had no idea that that's really what 96 pounds felt like. So they, they, they run into a problem, but that problem's not the end. And so they, they see a way, and they... They, however they, they get to the top, I, I don't know, I don't know if they're handing them off or whatever, they get to the top, and now they're, they're up on the roof. And, and, you know, Jesus is Jesus, so I'm like, he's, he's teaching, he's, he's not moved by it, so, you know, it's no big deal, you know, he's teaching, and, and you know, they begin to move tiles. <laughs> they're peering through, all right, okay. Somehow they lower their friend down without injuring him further, 
though Jesus is there. I mean, they believe he's the healer. Maybe they dropped him. I don't know. <laughs> Joe, listen. There are just some times, buddy. It's going to be okay. <laughs> I think they lower him gently. And Jesus sees their faith, right? And guys, here's my point. They were willing to do whatever it took to help their friend. And, and, and all too often, again, I think we have these surface-level friendships, which the church is never called to have surface-level friendships. We're actually called to take care of one another's needs and hurts and burdens, to do whatever that we can in our own power. Now listen, we're, we're lifting that person up to God. We're trusting that Jesus is going to do what Jesus says he's going to do. But we still do everything in our physical power. So it looks like we, we pray about it. Dear Lord, I'm, I'm going to pray for my sister, Deborah. Lord, I'm going, to, I'm going to pray that you would just um, continue to heal her and that you just continue to, to, to help her. Right? I'm, going to, I'm going to pray these kind of prayers over Deborah. But you know what? When I see Deborah and she's walking up and down steps, I'm going to make sure that I put my arm right there next to her and I walk her upstairs to her Sunday school classroom because I know she's been having dizzy spells. Right? I'm going to do whatever it takes Okay, because what if I am God's answer to that prayer? What if I am part of God's solution to that problem? What if God had me notice it so that I could talk to him about it so that he could use me in solving it? Right? So we go about it that way. Last thing I'm going to share with you, and we'll be done. <clears throat> so we've covered true faith. We've covered true friendship. I'm going to talk to you about true forgiveness. Here it is. True forgiveness is only found in Jesus. Two kingdoms collide in our little passage. It's hard to see it if you don't know what's going on. If you don't get that the crowd is a crowd of Pharisees. Why is a crowd of Pharisees here where Jesus is? Because Jesus has been teaching about the kingdom of God. What have the Pharisees been talking about for ages? The kingdom of God, right? Now, now, two totally different approaches to the kingdom of God. Of course, Jesus is truly God's coming kingdom. Like, he's, he's ushering in the kingdom right now. He is the answer. He is the rescue. Redemption is his come. His name is Jesus, right? I mean, this is when he opens up the, the scroll of Isaiah, and he says, this has now happened. Okay, we've already covered it. This has happened this day in your presence. Jesus is, is the coming kingdom plan of God. He's come to set all things right. But the Pharisees had a different thought in mind. They wanted God to reestablish Israel as a nation. Americans should listen to this, by the way. Because for some ridiculous reason, Americans think that they're Israelites. You follow, everybody thinks the answer's in politics. So let me, let me, let's lay this out. Let's be honest. So their, their belief, they wanted a political savior so that their nation could rise up and be all powerful again and rule over every nation. This is what they wanted. And their belief was that if they were righteous enough, that would happen. Am I talking to any Christian Americans yet? We honor God enough, that's going to happen. 
So they took the laws of God and they actually built a fence around them. So things like, uh, you should not take the Lord's name in vain. They actually created, like they wouldn't even pronounce the name of the Lord because they were afraid they might take it in vain. So, so they, they built a fence around the law to, to where it got to where it wasn't even hard. But their belief was, if we as a nation are righteous enough, God will have to honor us and raise us up. That's prosperity gospel, folks. At, at its very beginnings, almost. If we're good enough, God will bless us. And so this old guard, with this, this set of teachings... They believe the kingdom is going to come through strict observance of the law. And for them, the only forgiveness that they know, it can only be pronounced by the high priest who's the head of their system. And that forgiveness is only pronounced one day a year on the Day of Atonement. Okay? That's it. The high priest is the only mouthpiece of God. Now, praise God, we've studied the book of Hebrews and we know Jesus is a better high priest. Okay? Because the high priest would have to go in every year and make that sacrifice over and over. And the blood of animals could never take away the guilt of men. So Jesus came once and for all. He made a once and for all sacrifice of his own perfect blood. And because he was both God and man, that sacrifice counted. The Bible says without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. This was God's sacrificial system. He set in place. Jesus fulfilled it once and for all by being the actual perfect sacrifice. He lived the life that we couldn't. He died the death that we deserved. He was buried, but he conquered death. He rose again on the third day. So much so that that history will tell you about it. People that were opposed to Jesus have to admit that Jesus rose from the dead. Okay? And, And all this happens so that Jesus can become our high priest. He's the one that declares, get this, you're forgiven. But he declares it once and for all. If you come to me, if you believe in me, if you have faith in me, you are forgiven once and for all. Once and for all. It's huge. And so kingdoms collide. And Jesus looks at this man and his faith, and he says, your sins are forgiven, and the Pharisees freak out. They freak out. Who can, who can, who can forgive sins but God alone? And you know what Jesus is saying? Anybody ever watch Everybody Loves Raymond? We're a little bit closet Everybody Loves Raymond fans, right? Um, there's, there's one episode in, in particular that uh, Deborah has a phrase that gets under Raymond's hand. She, it, it's, just so you know, Ray, just so you know. This is Jesus' just-so-you-know moment. Just so you know that I am the Messiah. Just so you know that I am the Son of Man that Daniel spoke about. Just so you know that I am Redeemer. Just so you know that I am God. Let me, let me lay this down on you. Not only are your sins forgiven once and for all, but why don't you go ahead, stand up, grab your mat, and go home. And the guy gets up and he starts jumping and dancing and praising God, and he goes home. He walked, he was carried in, but he walks home. Just so you know, I'm the only way that sins are really forgiven. Just so you know. 
It's a good story. Good story. Lots of truth in that story. Lots of things we need to do because of that story. So let's hit those and we'll close, all right? Number one, I'll challenge you uh, application-wise to start lifting others up to Jesus. Start lifting others up to Jesus. And uh, some ways to do this, uh, maybe you need to grab a prayer journal. It's just any old piece of paper that you start writing down people's prayer requests. And you're going to start praying for them, okay? So that's what we're going to start doing, keeping some kind of record of, of people's prayer requests. If you want to start somewhere on the back of your bulletin, there's a whole list of prayer requests. You can start with those people. You can start praying for those people. But we're going to start lifting people up to Jesus, okay? We're going to start something. We're also going to stop something. We're going to stop uh, just saying that we'll pray. We're going to stop that. That's done. That's a thing of the past, okay? So, so we're starting a prayer journal. Here's what we're stopping. No more will we say to somebody, I'll pray, oh, I'll pray for you, okay? From now on, what we're going to do is that person says, oh, could you pray for so-and-so? We stop right there and we pray for them, right? We stop. Uh, and this can even happen via text, okay? And, and you know, Kathy's here, Ed, is with his dad, correct? This morning. And, and so um, yeah, his dad's been in and out of the hospital. I don't think he would mind me sharing that. Um, and, and so uh, he, he, he shot me a text. We were going to do some work around the, the parsonage. And he said, you know, my dad's been in. You know, please say a prayer for me. Well, Ed doesn't ask me to pray a lot. And, um, and so I know that it's, it's important to him. And so before I even shot a text back, as I was getting ready to, to type in those words, well, I'm, I'm praying. I'm praying for you and your dad. I stopped before I hit send and I actually prayed for him and his dad. Why? Because I can't just be somebody that says I'm going to pray for you and doesn't. Because I have, I have access to the God of all creation. Because he is my father and I get to crawl up in his lap and tell him why, why, what hurts my heart. And it hurts my heart when my friends are hurting. So I get to say, hey, get to carry them to Jesus in prayer. So stop just telling people you're going to pray for them and actually pray for them. All right? So start a journal. One, one of the things you can do, um, you know, I, on Wednesday night, we, people used to come just to hear the pastor teach for a third time during the week. And... Uh, and, and, and other things, and, and we'd have a prayer meeting. And somebody said, I said, well, can we still have a prayer meeting? You betcha you can have a prayer meeting. So this week, show up, okay, when church starts, all right? And, and, and when church gets, gets kicked off and gets kicked, it's 6.30. So it's 6.30, meet in the library, it'll be open. Anybody that wants to pray, wants to live this out, just come and pray. You want to have a Bible study after that? You, you're all reading the same stuff. You got plenty of material. Go ahead and talk about the scriptures after you pray for people. It's not difficult you don't need the pastor to do that, right? You pray for me because I'll be in here teaching youth. And, and, and we're talking about transformation, what God really wants to change their lives. And so pray for that. But sure, be in the library. The library's not big enough. We'll find another room for you. There'll be a place in the church you can come and pray. It'd be cool if the library was packed and we had people spilling out in the hallways and everybody's praying. That'd be awesome. That'd be awesome. So come, show up and pray. All right? Start lifting people up to Jesus. Number two. Lend a helping hand whenever possible. Lend a helping hand whenever possible. And it's difficult. Some people don't want help. It's hard. Uh, we, we've got somebody in our small group. They just had a baby and their house isn't finished. I keep calling, can we help you? Can we? No, we got contractors. We got contractors. We got contractors. I'm like, Ugh! let us come finish the sheetrock. Okay? Like they can tape and float it. Like let us come do that. Okay? So, so maybe you know somebody just... Just do whatever you can to help that situation. Do whatever you can. And maybe something small like a meal. A meal, you know, listen, we all eat. So just make a little extra. Make a little extra. 
uh, one of the biggest blessings in our life, and, and I know we, we do rotations, but, um, you know, we, we had some opportunities. Our family, you know, we, we, had, we had six. It wasn't hard to cook. We, we usually cook for eight anyway. And so you just, we'd take a portion, and we had somebody that we would take food to every week. We just, just packed up, and we'd go there before soccer practice. And it was such a, ble- it was a blessing to us. It was a blessing to our kids, all right? It's not that just do something to make a difference, all right? Do so- love God, love people, do something. Lend a helping hand. Uh, number three, um, ask for forgiveness. Ask for forgiveness. Um, Jesus is the only one with the power to forgive. He's the only one. And if, if, you're, if you're one of those people, you, you feel guilty. You know, last week we talked about the leper. Some people just, they, they just feel dirty and they can't get past it. Well, one, let me, let me tell you this. If you've asked for forgiveness, he's forgiven you and you've got to get past it. Okay? At some point when we ask God to forgive us and we still feel guilty, that's no longer guilt. That's actually a, a, a weapon of the devil. It's called shame. Okay? And, and you're not meant to live in shame. You're not, you're not meant to live in shame. If God says, I forgive you, and you've asked for that forgiveness, you are forgiven. It is done. It is done. But if you haven't asked God to forgive you, even as Christians, we sin and we fall and we stumble, right? We lose our temper. We do all kinds of things we shouldn't do. So what do we do? We ask for forgiveness. God, please forgive me. 1 John 1, 9. We confess our sin. He's faithful and just. He'll forgive us of our sin and purify us of all unrighteousness, Okay. So, so we ask God to forgive us. And I, I challenge you to do that. Maybe you're here and you've never done that before. Um, you've got to do that. You've got to do that. Until we ask God to forgive us, uh, the Bible says we're not forgiven. We're not. You know, a lot of people that um, I've met throughout my life said, I just feel like God never hears my prayers. And we, we walk through this whole thing. Well, they're praying, but they've never asked God to forgive them. So God's not listening to that prayer yet because they haven't asked for forgiveness. So they, they're not forgiven. They can't be. God can't forgive them unless, unless they ask for forgiveness. Like it's, it's, it's just part of God's DNA. And so uh, we've got to ask for forgiveness, and, and Jesus is the only one uh, that can forgive us. And so I uh, challenge you to do that. And the last thing, I, I just, uh, last part of this that I love, last little bit of the story, um, when you do that, right, when, when, you're, when you're healed, just get up and get going, Right? be a totally different story if Jesus looks at the guy and says, just so you know, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the guy just lays there, no, I don't think I can. <laughs> right? What do you mean you don't think you can? I've forgiven your sin. I've healed you. You can. No, I just, I just, uh, I've been here so long. I just can't do it. Uh-uh. Uh-uh. Listen, I don't know where you've been, but that's not your zip code anymore. Get up. Right? I, I don't know, I don't know what, 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 because this is a race, so I, I don't know what, what part of that race you're in, and you've gotten used to the scenery. I, I don't know, but that's not the finish line. So it's time to get up. So get up and get going. Stop, stop staying where you are. And so some of us are camped out in, in the places that we failed. Some of us are, are camped out in guilt. Some of us are camped out in bitterness and anger. By the way, that's one of the things we do when we're bitter with people. We, we camp out. That's what complaint is. Complaint's camping out. Okay, so I, I, don't know where you, I don't know where it happened, but I do know this. You can't stay there. God's goal for you is not to stay there in hurt, in anger, in agony. His goal for you is to get up and get going. So get up and get going, all right? This is not your zip code. Get up and get going. Get up and get going. God bless you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you to, uh, for your word. Thank you for speaking to us. Uh, just, uh, just right now, I, just, I pray that you'd lay it on our hearts exactly how you are speaking to us. Just exactly how you're speaking to us. Just over the... 
uh, the, the next few uh, moments. Just, God, how are you speaking to us, Lord? That's, that's my prayer. Holy Spirit, do what only you can. Jesus, thank you for reigning over all things. In your name we pray. Amen. So I, I'm just, very simple prayer. I know we're kind of up against it time-wise because we do like to actually get you out to Sunday school. Uh, but just, would you just bow your heads and just, just pray very simple prayer before God this morning. Just a very simple prayer. We do this a lot here. But just, just pray this prayer. God, how are you speaking to me? That's it. Just God, how are you speaking to me? Maybe he's saying, hey, you hadn't been a great friend. You say that you pray for a lot of people. You, you really don't. So maybe he's, he's talking to you about how to pray. Maybe he's saying, I want to forgive you. I want to forgive you today, right now. Will you just ask me for forgiveness, right? Maybe he's saying, hey, my child, let's get up and get out of here. I know what zip code you've been living in, but that is not your final destination. God, how are you speaking to us this morning? Just, just give him a moment. Just pray that prayer. He'll, he'll talk to your heart, I promise you.